Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the first Sunday in the Lenten season of the church year, the season in which we are thinking of our Savior's passion, his suffering and death. We are preparing to hit the way to the cross and, and our Savior's paying for our sins. Our order of service today is the service of the word which begins on page 38. We're going to open right now with hymn number 431. I walk in danger all the way. We'll sing verses 1 to 4. Father in heaven, 
I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins by the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Sunday in Lent is from Genesis chapter 2 and 3 where we hear about God's creation, the end of the creation, and then we see the tragic fall into sin. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from all from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. 
Alleluia. Scripture says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Alleluia. verses 12 to 19. The Apostle Paul here gives us the comparison between the first Adam and the second Adam. Well, Adam as in Adam and Eve, and the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness, that's Jesus' whole life, his whole work, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Let's continue with our second hymn, hymn number 447, Who Trusts in God, a Strong Abode. from 
Sunday in Lent is from Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 to 11. Matthew writes, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who are our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow believers who by the grace of God believe in Christ who overcame Satan's sin, death, and hell for us. According to Greek mythology, there is an island, the 
Isle of the Sirens, which is inhabited by these beautiful sea nymphs who, with their beautiful songs, they work to lure soldiers to the rocky shores where they can get them to come and, and kill them. Well, because of that, well, when Ulysses sailed past that island and he knew that those beautiful siren, beautiful sea nymphs were there, that they would be trying to lure him to their rocky shores. Well, what, what he did is he put wax in his ears and he had himself tied to the mast of his boat so that no matter how alluring their songs were, he couldn't go to them. And so, according to the story, according to the myth, he safely passed by. Well, that was Ulysses. And then there's also the story of Orpheus. Orpheus, he also knew about the beautiful sea nymphs, but he happened to be a well-trained musician himself. And because of that, what he did is he played actually what was better music than that of the sea nymphs, and he enchanted his crew with his music, and so instead of being allured to the sea nymphs and their music, they were attracted more to Orpheus and his music, and they passed on by safely. He didn't need the wax in his ears. He didn't need to be tied to the mast of the, of the ship. And now from these two Greek stories, really what we can do is we can learn a lesson about how to fight against temptation and win. Like Ulysses, there will be those times well, when we can admit that there are so many times when Satan and his temptations they seem so alluring, so attractive to us, but under those circumstances, kind of need to be like Ulysses where we just say, no, not going to do it, not going to do it. And we'll say no to the temptations instead of saying yes to them as our sinful nature would want us to, to, to do. And then there are those other times when we need to be like Orpheus. And yes, the temptations of Satan and sin, they sometimes seem so alluring. But we are so blessed when, kind of like Orpheus, we're able to see the greater blessings that we have in our Savior and recognize that, yes, yeah, Satan may be tempting us, he may be alluring us, but what he has is nothing really to offer compared to the great and wonderful blessings that our God has to offer us. God's blessings, so great. And Satan's allurements, really nothing. So believing in God's greater blessings we can see how to fight against temptation and win. And as we look at Jesus withstanding Satan's temptations today, we'll see that what we'll want to do is, like Jesus, trust in God to provide for us. 
And like Jesus, we'll want to trust in God to protect us. And, and finally, like Jesus, we'll want to trust in God above all things. Jesus began his public ministry with his baptism by John the Baptist. And, and after his baptism with John the Baptist, then his first assignment from God was to overcome the devil in a face-to-face -face confrontation. And, and that was a logical thing for Jesus to do when you think about it because, well, what happened at the beginning of time? Adam and Eve were faced with temptation, a temptation from Satan, and they didn't stand. They fell. And so now, here Jesus' first assignment is to defeat the devil and not fall to the devil as Adam and Eve had done. So he was supposed to go out into the wilderness and God sent him out there. God the Holy Spirit sent him out there. And for 40 days, Jesus was continually being tempted by Satan out there in the wilderness. And well, what scripture does is it records for us three of the temptations that Satan used against Jesus. But understand, throughout those 40 days, Satan was tempting Jesus. We don't know how many temptations he actually hurled at Jesus, but he was giving Jesus the best or the worst of his temptations, trying to get Jesus to fall. But what Jesus did is he sinlessly resisted every temptation that Satan hurled his way. He sinlessly resisted all of those temptations. He shows us with his standing up to Satan, that he is the savior of mankind and that he is the one who could pay for our sins, who could defeat the devil. Matthew tells us, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It should always be our desire to protect ourselves from and keep ourselves as far away from any temptations that we possibly could. However, at this time with Jesus, we can notice a little bit of a different situation here. It tells us that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted by Satan. Jesus didn't foolishly or haphazardly walk into these temptations from Satan. It was God the Father's will that Satan should tempt Jesus, that Jesus should be tempted by the devil, and that Jesus should overcome those temptations and show that he was over Satan not that Satan was controlling Jesus. And now we can notice that Jesus didn't fight against temptation, against the temptations of the devil by using his divine power. Actually, what he did is he used the full armor of God, which is available to us. And the chief part of that full armor of God, of course, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And here in this section, Satan, he's called the devil. 
the evil, the slanderer is what it means. And what an appropriate name for the devil, for Satan, the one who doesn't hold to the truth and who is the father of, of lies, the one who deceived Adam and Eve. And here he was trying to deceive the Savior. Well, Satan said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus, Satan rather, began his temptation of Jesus as he did his temptation of Eve back in the Garden of Eden by questioning and certain seeking to raise certain suspicions in Jesus as he had done in Eve. He questioned Jesus' true divinity, the fact that he was the true Son of God. And really what he did here is he was suggesting to Jesus that there was no reason at all for him to suffer physical hunger under these circumstances. And if Jesus had answered Satan's challenge, the devil's challenge here, to use his divine power to satisfy his hunger, what he would not have been doing here is trusting in God to provide for his needs. So Jesus told Satan, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Very often people will use this verse to say that what this temptation is teaching us is that, that we need God's word that is spiritual food more than we need physical food more than we need food for our bodies. And, and of course that is true, but that's not what Jesus is really stressing here. Rather, what he's telling us is that even though it is important for us to eat food, yet it's more important for us to trust in God to provide for us, to trust in God to provide for us, to recognize that all our food and all of our needs, our earthly blessings, they come to us from our God. If we were to start thinking that the food we eat and all our earthly goods, that they're ours because, well, we've earned the money to buy them, and so we forget that those things, all the things that we have, we have them only because God is providing for us, then what we're really doing is we're trying to live on bread alone instead of trusting in God who can speak the word and provide for all of our needs. In the second temptation that's listed here, Satan took Jesus to the temple's highest point and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and you will, and he, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Again here, what Satan was trying to do is to create doubt in Jesus. He was saying to Jesus basically, you believe that your heavenly father is going to care for you and protect you 
So throw yourself down if your heavenly Father is going to care for you and protect you. Make God prove that he loves you. You have nothing to fear if you believe that your Father will protect you. Well, Jesus answered that temptation by saying, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What Satan did here is he had used scripture to try to persuade Jesus that there was a scriptural warrant for recklessly, for Jesus recklessly throwing himself down. Satan was, of course, misapplying the prophet passage. God promises to protect us and to watch over us, and, and we can and should trust in him to protect us. Well, the psalmist said, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. We want to trust in God to protect us. And, well, if we had been there, and maybe we'll think back a long way back to September 11th, if we had been in those World Trade Center towers on, in New York City when when those hijacked planes came and struck those towers, if, oh, think of this past week and the, the ice and snowstorms that we had, if we lost power, if we were in some very treacherous circumstances because of the storm, if you had been at MSU when those terrible shootings, when those murders took place on September 13th, if we have any troubling circumstance in our lives, what we can and should do is trust in our God to protect us. We can and should trust in him to protect us. He'll make sure that nothing really hurts or harms us, that is, tears our eternal souls away from our Savior. That's really what trusting in God protecting us is all about. Trusting in him to protect our eternal souls. Trusting in him when maybe our bodies are failing. However, we wouldn't be trusting God. We would be putting him to the test if we were to challenge him, for example, by saying something like, God, if you really love you, won't, you won't ever let anything bad happen to me, in my opinion. You won't let me get any bad diseases like cancer or AIDS. You won't let me endure failing health or financial troubles or death. <laughs> sooner or later, sooner or later, we'll all die unless the Lord returns first. And it's the height of folly for us to challenge God by saying something like, if you really love me, then... Because our Heavenly Father, remember, He's already proven that He really loves us. And He proved His really loving us by sending His Son to live and to die for us and to pay for all of our sins and to win heaven for us. Well, in the third temptation then that's listed here, the devil showed Jesus 
all the kingdoms of the world and said to Jesus, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. This temptation may have been the most insidious and the most alluring of the temptations. If it is held out to Jesus in that temptation, he, Satan held out to Jesus the promise of gaining all the kingdoms of the world. And really, when you think about it, that's what Jesus came into this world to do, to live and to die for us and to pay for the sins of the world so that everyone could be a part of his believing family. But now, Jesus did that, and Satan was kind of saying, I'll give this to you, and you won't have to go to the cross. You won't have to go through with the plan of salvation that you and the Father and the Holy Spirit had devised from the creation of the world. Instead of trusting in God's plan for the salvation of the souls, Satan wanted Jesus to trust in him, in his way, to supposedly bring back those kingdoms of the world. Well, what Satan was doing is he was offering Jesus an easy way out. So also what he does is he offers us so much when he tempts us. When he tempted Eve, when he tempted Eve, he said that if Eve ate the fruit of that tree, she'd be like God. She'd be like God. And look what happened to Adam and Eve. When Satan tempts us with the world's pleasures and treasures, those things often seem so alluring to us. Think, for example, of Judas. Judas, he was a believer, but then Satan tempted him with money and Judas betrayed Jesus. Then Judas's grief was so great that he figured God couldn't possibly forgive him and so he took his life in despair. Satan loves to tempt us and offer us so much and say he's giving us everything that in following him we get the greatest blessings that there are but he has absolutely nothing to offer us. That's why Jesus said here, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Like Jesus, we'll want to trust in God above all things, above all things. He has the best things to offer us and in Jesus and also in the earthly blessings that he's given to us, he does give us his very best. General George Patton was engaged in a successful counterattack of the German forces that were led by a general, Erwin Rommel, in North Africa in World War II. And during that battle, when Patton was fighting against Rommel and his forces, Patton is supposed to have said, I read your book, Rommel. I read your book. And in the book that he's referring to, Infantry Attacks, what the de Desert Fox, the famed Desert Fox, Erwin Rommel, did is he carefully detailed 
his military strategy. And now Patton had read this book and he knew just exactly what Rommel was going to do. And so he planned his attack of Rommel uh, accordingly. Well now, if you think of that story, Satan, he's authored no book, but God has successfully fully exposed our enemy's tactics for us in his holy word. And when we would regularly hear and learn God's word and use it as Jesus did when Satan tempted him, the fact of the matter is, is that Satan doesn't stand a chance against us. Satan and the unbelieving world, they claim to offer us so much. And really though, only our loving Heavenly Father can give us what we truly need. His love, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. When in faith we recognize that God wants to give us what we really need and in Christ he does give us what we truly need so that we're truly blessed right now and forever. When we realize we have everything we have in Jesus, then we know how to fight against temptation and win. That's knowing what Christ does for us. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our strength, the battle of good and evil, rages within us and around us, and our ancient foe tempts us with his deceits and empty promises. Keep us steadfast in your word, and when we fall, raise us up again and restore us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray in his name, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Oh, and we'll keep in our prayers just thinking of the tragedy up at MSU. We'll pray. Since the February 13th shootings at MSU, we've been processing what happened. It was a tragic event. It was tragic when young people were killed and severely injured. 
it was tragic when that the perpetrator should kill others and himself. It's tragic what MSU and all of us are enduring. Such events, which are all too common today, remind us that we live in a sinful world and it will remain that way this side of Judgment Day. So let's keep on praying for all who were affected by this tragedy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, please keep all of us in your loving care. Thank you for giving us Jesus, who we believers know is the answer to all the problems caused by sin. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord God, in our prayers, we continue to keep Don Janicki, who is getting closer to his eternal home. Well, all of us are getting closer to our eternal home, but we pray for him. We pray for Mary Glassbrook continuing to deal with her knee replacement issues. We think about Deb Spitzley continuing to deal with heart and kidney issues. Paula Burris dealing with circulation issues and infection in her leg. And we think of Jan Camp uh, dealing with her cancer and, and struggling, always getting closer to her eternal home too. Lord God, if it's in accordance with your will, Please grant healing to these, to anyone in our church family dealing with different illnesses and trials and troubles. But of course, we always keep saying, keep giving first and foremost your grace and mercy and love. That gives us always the strength that we need more than anything else to well, fight against Satan and sin and to win. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her Through the night with a light from above From the mountains to the prairies To the oceans white with foam God bless America, my home, sweet home God bless America, my home Sweet home. Thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple announcements to share with you in the congregation. Well, Holly Nelson has a birthday on Monday, Cody Christmas on Tuesday, 
If there were a February 29th, Clayton Gerard has a birthday. Wednesday, Sarah Mullins, and Friday, David Kunkel and Eric Kunkel have birthdays. In the congregation, Monday, we have a choir practice scheduled again for 5 p.m. And this Wednesday, our second Wednesday Lenten service, pray for better weather this Wednesday, but a soup supper at 5.30 p.m., and our Lenten worship at 6.30 p.m. Pastor A.J. Kundi from Grace, uh, I was going to say Grace Durant, that's his former church, but from Hope in Portland, he will be here for our worship service. I'll be at Zion in Lansing, but I'll, I'll be here for the beginning of the potluck dinner. I think that's what I have for announcements. Please keep looking at our prayer list and remember, keep your church family in your prayers. The Lord bless and keep you always.